0: Liverpool goalkeeper Loris Karius made two huge mistakes in the Champions League final versus Real Madrid, and he cost his team the game. And supporting him, whether it's teammates, whether it's coaches, whether it's other players, whether it's fans, whether it's just the general public, supporting him doesn't mean that you are letting him off the hook for making mistakes. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lalas, and welcome the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. As you heard, we'll be talking reaction to uh, Loris Karius's Howlers. We will have a slightly modified version of our Mossy Makes the Case segment. We'll be answering your questions in our Ask Alexi segment. We'll continue with our World Cup Date segment and so much more. But first, as always, joining me, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Moss... Ma- Hold on. Hold on. I look over at the chair. We have a special guest. David Mossey is nowhere to be found, and in his place, if my eyes are correct, the legend. Ooh. Rob Stone has joined us this week on the State of the Union podcast as a special guest host. Welcome, Rob Stone. Do you feel like you've basically reached the pinnacle?
1: I feel like I'm... High on your Rolodex list of people who might fill in on a Memorial Day weekend that might be available <laughs> and in town. Mossy gets vacation. I take no vacations from this sport, especially in America, Exactly.
0: Uh, yes, our, our good friend David Mossy is not here this week uh, in terms of being in the studio. We will hear from him. I promise you, you will hear from him. He wanted to make sure because he got a little scared when he heard that uh, Rob Stone was going to come in and fill Oh, I'm fill taking this full. job. I know, listen. I am taking this job. It's uh, good knowing you, Mossy. It's look, over. It's one thing you find out in our business right away is that uh, when it comes to talent, which is what we uh, affectionately re- <laughs> refer to the people in front of the camera as, there is no group of people more insecure and more um, worried about others taking their job than, uh, than talent. So Mossy is uh, visiting his family because he's a good son, and uh, he will be back again uh, next week. But he will check in this week in our, uh, in our podcast. Welcome, uh, Rob Stone. How are you? Is everything good in your life as you prepare for what is going to be an incredible summer?
1: Everything's great. You and I, we got to carpool again into work. And, of course, we talk soccer, and uh, we talk, when are we allowed to start packing for Russia? <laughs> yeah. It's a big, it's a hot topic in the Lawless Stone household. My rule is, not until that calendar says June do I start figuring out how many pairs of underwear, socks, and workout clothes am I bringing to Russia.
0: Well, I also know from from working and uh, traveling with you that we operate on very different yes, systems. Yes, we do, my uh, friend. You, you do not like to, quote, give any time back to the man. Correct. And, therefore, you will look at it as a an incredible accomplishment if you get to the airport, get through security, and then basically walk on as one of the last people on the plane. 100%. That, for you, is a perfect type of uh, arrival. I don't want to
1: break stride. I don't want to be sitting around. I don't need time to go get a cappuccino. Just get me on the plane and let's go.
0: For me, that is the definition of a horrible, horrible day. I do not want to have that type of stress in my life. So I'm not. I'm that guy that's there two hours before. So now,
1: now the beauty of this, I'm already going off. This is, Mossy, this is why you're losing your job to me right here. I'm already going off script is that Alexi will arrive at airports when we don't go together, like a good hour, hour and a half before me. And I'll get there later, and I will always find a little place to kind of hide. And I'll find him. I'll know where Alexi is, but he won't know where I am. And eventually, he can't take it any longer. And I will get a text from him of, where are you? Are you here? (laughs) <laughs> Is everything okay? And then I'll start playing with them. I'm like, yeah, just landed in New York. Everything's good. When are you getting here? He's like, oh, I'm on a later flight. I'll see you later. What are we doing for dinner? And then meanwhile, when they call the, the platinum medallion people to board... He looks at me smiling at him in line already. You got me. You got me you. so
0: good the other day. Oh, it was it was wonderful. I was like, wait, he, he's already gone? He's already taken a different flight, and I'm waiting in line, and then I roll up to the front there, and, and there's Rob Stone just waiting and giggling as we got there. All right, enough of this uh, travel talk. We got a, a big podcast full of all sorts of things, lots of things to talk about uh, that have happened uh, here and abroad. Shall we light this candle, Mr. Let's Stone? Let's light it, baby. All right. As always, we start the podcast with... Alexi Lawless's State of the Union. Yes, it is time for my State of the Union, in which I give you my take on the state of soccer as it relates to America. Goals are the result of mistakes. Some mistakes are bigger than others. And some mistakes will go on to define players. Go ask Bill Buckner. Such is the nature of big-time sports. Liverpool goalkeeper Loris Karius made two huge mistakes in the Champions League final versus Real Madrid, and he cost his team the game. Carius is a grown man who gets paid huge sums of money to play a game. Like all players, he knows the deal. In return for this charmed life, he will be scrutinized, criticized, and even victimized. Carius has received the predictable death threats, his children and family have been harassed, and his name will be synonymous with mistakes. Now, some will wrongly equate this all-too-common reaction with true passion for the game, and point to it as an example of an authentic soccer culture. A few weeks ago, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp had the audacity to say, quote, in the end, it's only football. Now, to some, this sentiment is offensive because they believe it's more than a game. But we shouldn't condone this lack of perspective. Don't worry. Carius will pay for his sins. He's already started an apology tour. But ultimately, there's nothing he can say or do. The damage is done and it can't be repaired. I hope there will be those who put their arm around him and walk beside him. I hope there will be those who say, in the end, it's only soccer. But unfortunately, when players make big mistakes, they often have to walk alone. All right, so there is my State of the Union for this week. Mr. Stone, thoughts on this? When you saw what happened and then a couple days later now, how you look at him and how you look at this phenomenon of putting all the blame on one person. Is it justified? Is it not a I, I, you know, ton of thoughts. Number one is nice knowing you. You know you're not going back to Liverpool. There was always
1: that heavy conversation that yep. they're looking at Alisson and company to to bring in a replacement. So this to me just kind of seals the deal. I don't think it's healthy for either party to come back together and and relight this. But I do hope in five, ten years when there's that anniversary of this magical season, because it really was for Liverpool that not all will be forgiven, but much will be forgiven. The first, the first one is so strange because I've never, I've never really seen it. You know, and and I don't think Karius has ever seen it too, because you're used to being, if you're a keeper, being infringed upon by just a guy just standing in your way, like like essentially physically preventing you from doing your job, right? Which is not what Benzema did. Benzema just kind of haphazardly threw out that leg, hoping for a bone, and he got a huge one. The second one is bad. You know, I know people are talking about the ball was moving and this and that. Knock it down, punch it, Dude, right. take it off your face, your chest, I don't care. That one that one, to me stung a lot more than the first.
0: Well, when, when I saw the first one and we were on set, almost every single person there said, hey, that's completely legal. I think that there was enough space and distance yes. where I think everybody said this is legal. Although, oftentimes we've seen where, where players have jumped up on a throw-in uh, and jumped up in front of a guy yeah. and they have been whistled. Uh, so, I... I, I I, I give did. the officials a ton of credit for yeah, not I
1: whistling it right there because the, you don't see something like that. And I think instinctively, you know, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, the old Will Ferrell semi-pro movie where like something happens where they did the alley-oop and the ref blew the whistle because they had never seen it before. Right. It was so strange. It's like, well, clearly
0: something must be illegal in this play. Uh, And I give him credit for keeping the whistle and the flags down. And it, I mean, ultimately that. And then the second one is: look, we have seen in the modern game with the way the balls move and the way that the the players strike them with you know this knuckleball type of approach. And whether it's Cristiano, sometimes Bale, as we've as we've seen, the thing starts moving. But you still got to be able to save. I think everybody everybody says that. Uh, To get back to your other point, if there wasn't this this groundswell even before this game of, you know what, we have to upgrade when it comes to the goalkeeper position. I think it will be a little bit different, uh, different type of conversation, but I think it's, I think it's easy to find blame. And because they're such two incredibly dramatic and visual type of mistakes that we see, I think it's going to be very, very easy to just heap all of this on his shoulders. And as I said, in the state of the union, This is what sports It's cleaner, right? It makes for a cleaner exit, right? We lost because the goalkeeper screwed up. This
1: happened, and oh, by the way, Bale had this bicycle kick that is somehow being drowned out because of these two
0: errors. Do you think that he has a moment of redemption? He's still a young goalkeeper. As you said, he's he's probably not going to continue on to Liverpool. And he might not have continued on had he had a blinder in the final, too. They might have said, listen, no matter what, we need to upgrade. So if he goes on, wherever he ends up going, I mean, unless he... I don't know. Has a maybe a Leicester type of of season where he where he does that, or obviously wins Champions League with another team, or does something from an international perspective. It's hard to live this down. He is going to forever be associated forever. with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, no matter what he does going forward. This will always be on his resume, and he's not going to be able to, to hide from it. I just hope he's strong enough internally and has enough of a foundation with his family and friends to be able to overcome something like this. Because you know, if you if you're if you're not 100% strong as it is mentally, physically, and then you have to deal with something like this on that stage uh, in this sport with those fan bases. That could be a, a major life challenge for you.
0: And supporting him, whether it's teammates, whether it's coaches, whether it's other players, whether it's fans, whether it's just the general public, supporting him doesn't mean that you are letting him off the hook for Correct. making mistakes. Correct. Okay? Everybody understands that mistakes are made. And when you're a goalkeeper, you can have eighty-nine minutes uh, and all you need is that one minute when you lose concentration and everybody is going to everybody's going to be remembered. But this 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 age of vilifying a person not just in the moment, but after, and their family and all this. And because, as we said, it, you could have called it. He's going to get death threats. People on Twitter are going to scream and yell. And the people out there, as I said, in the State of Union are going to associate that with being true, authentic, genuine, passionate soccer fans, or, or football fans, depending on how you want to look at it, which is, which is definitely, definitely not the case. It, you, you, have, you have played soccer, and I have played soccer. Times in the past where you have turned around and looked at the goalkeeper and said, oh,
1: man, you're uh, we all, We've yeah. all had them,
0: right? But you're right.
1: These guys, you look, I don't want to be a keeper. I don't want my kids to be a keeper. I, I don't I don't want my friends to be a keeper. It takes a different cut of a human being to be a goalkeeper, to, to go flying face first uh, into a charging body who's ready to kick something very hard. And that thing could be your face, your ear, your hands, your arm. So I always try to keep that in the back of my head. But you always have those moments. I, we had a... Uh, my senior year state championship, uh, I think it was the semifinals, and we lost one nothing on a goal that I still don't know how it went in. And our goalie was fantastic; he was all conference. I love them, dear friend. But I still, once in a while, sure. look back like, how did that, how did that one get in there again? But. I find myself more reflecting back on those magical goalkeeper moments. Those are the ones that, that stay with me. Uh, Jordy Delaporte, my freshman year at Colgate University. He was a senior. We were at University of Connecticut. Did you ever play UConn? Yes. Beautiful soccer Beautiful. arena there in yep. stores. And he, he was late for the team bus. And we almost left Hamilton, New York without Jordy. <laughs> right. And for some reason, our coach, who was very young, got talked into giving him another 20 minutes. And they ran to the fraternity house and pulled him out and threw him in the van, not the bus, in the van, so we could drive to Connecticut. And he, our coach benched him for the first half. Second half, Jordy starts the game, and he's behind the, the UConn fan section. And they were so rowdy and so loud back then. And he had an absolute blinder. I mean, he I mean, he was He was like Dr. Joe Macknick, number one goalkeeper clinic video material right now, doing all the right things. And at the end of the game, the UConn fan base gave him a standing ovation. He was that good. Yes, we still lost, but he was that good in that type of performance. Those are the things that I remember.
0: Right. Well, look, we, we all recognize that goalkeepers are a necessary evil, and they are nuts. You're cold. <laughs> no, so are they, big central defenders with are, red yeah, hair. No, no they are, but they are nuts. And I always... I don't want to say I loved them, but I respected and recognized that they were going to save my ass yeah. on multiple occasions. Who be- was the best one that that, that played uh, behind People it. ask me this all the time. I, th- I, I always go back to Tony Miola because Tony Miola, first off, uh, I think probably the best American goalkeeper ever with his feet. Um, and even back in the 1900s when we were playing, that was becoming to be more and more right. important to, to have that type of sweeper where I knew I could give the ball back to him. He wasn't going to f- panic, and he was going to... Be able to distribute that ball really, really well, so I, I liked him. He was also a gamer yeah. if you went to a training session back in the 90s when Tony was our goalkeeper, you would leave that session saying, "How is this possibly the starting goalkeeper?" right And yet when that whistle blew for that ninety minutes, he was a gamer, and he would stop the ball and i loved I love that about him
1: it's amazing how much of a difference they make you know I, I reflect back on Casey Keller versus Brazil sure. right in l a and just
0: you know stoning them
1: over and over and over again. Tim Howard versus Belgium. Right. I mean, yep. th- these are difference makers. And, and it, to me, it translates very much to the World Cup. And I, I've been saying this for years to you. In a big tournament, whether it's the Stanley Cup or World Cup or Copa Americas or Gold Cups, you ride a hot goalie. Yep. And if you got it, that hot keeper is going to take you through the tournament. You got a hot Hope Solo, guess what? You got a real good chance of winning the FIFA Women's World Cup. You got a, ho- a hot David De Gea, who right now is the best keeper in the world. That's why I think Spain's odds keep improving and improving. I think a lot of people are like, oh, Spain, quarterfinal. It sounds fun. Why not? It's Spain. And then you really start looking at it, and you look at the play of De Gea, you're saying
0: semis, final. I need to be thinking about Spain as my eventual champion, actually. We have, as you mentioned, a long history when it comes to the U.S. of some very, very good goalkeepers, and for a long time, they were our stars. It started to change a little bit, and it's almost maybe even flipped to where we are – searching and worried about is there another big-time goalkeeper after Tim Howard. I know Brad Guzan has been in part of the conversation for a long time. But I don't know if Brad's in, in the conversation no, I don't, I don't, I don't for 2022 so. I mean, I, right you know, now. Like uh, Zach Steffen from Columbus. Uh, yeah, I think he's Col- there. Columbus, Columbus, one of those uh, that people will talk about. I don't know who's going to emerge, but there is an opportunity right now. And from a goalkeeper, as we know, where there's only one position, and goalkeepers can play for so long. Right. If you are blessed with timing in life and you are born at a certain point where you come in and there's a pocket of opportunity – you better grab a hold of it and grab it with both hands. I'm excited to see who was going to be that goalkeeper because you know this conversation has made it very, very clear how important these goalkeepers are, how difficult a position it is, and oftentimes we don't talk about them, we don't care about them to a certain extent until we really, really need them. All right, moving on. Mossy makes the case. Yes, as you heard, it is time once again for Mossy Makes the Case. But we've tweaked it a little this week because, as we mentioned, David Mossy is not here with us in the studio. He is visiting his family as he gets ready for a long and arduous uh, trek in Russia for the World Cup. But he did not want to be left out of this episode. And so he has provided us with his Mossy Makes the Case in a video form and we will listen to it right now and then rob and i will react to it
2: alexi and rob i am taping this on a saturday real madrid have just defeated liverpool in the champions league final my case is that spain is still on top the european club season is in the books one of my favorite subplots is the battle for bragging rights between the different leagues for me it is very simple whichever league performs best in europe gets the belt And over the last several years, Spanish clubs have dominated in Europe. So La Liga has earned the right to be called the best league in Europe. The big question is, when will the financial muscle of the Premier League bear fruit? The ability to attract not only top players, but also top managers like Mourinho, Pep, Klopp. And this season, it did look at one point like the Premier League was going to turn the tables on La Liga. They had five teams in the Champions League knockout stage and Arsenal looking like strong contenders in the Europa League. But when the moment of truth came, the head-to-head battles in the knockout rounds, Spain reasserted itself again, Barcelona eliminated Chelsea in the Champions League round of 16, Sevilla eliminated Manchester United in the Champions League round of 16, Atletico Madrid overcame Arsenal in the Europa League semifinals, and today, Real Madrid defeat Liverpool 3-1 in the Champions League final. I do think the Premier League closed the gap this season, Getting five teams in the Champions League knockout stage is a massive achievement. Getting a team to the final for the first time since 2012 is a step in the right direction. Sooner or later, this Spain run is going to end. This stuff tends to be cyclical. But for another season, Spain reigns supreme. And for the Premier League, it's a case of wait till next year. Okay, so there is uh, Mossy making a
0: case from some bunker somewhere, obviously. But he is clear. In thinking and the way that he expressed it, he believes that uh, Spain and La Liga reign supreme based on the success that they have had uh, with Champions League. Agree or disagree with Mr. Massey, Rob?
1: Agree for now. Okay. Right? I mean, I think, as he points out, this everything is very fluid right now. We've been seeing the rise of Serie A for the last couple of years. I think, frankly, we've seen a little bit of a decline from Germany, uh, which is really just a one-horse team. Right now, and and if you're talking European soccer, as far as Germany's concerned, it's Bayern Munich, and that's about it, right? And I think uh, England should be given some credit. You know, you and I have some fun, kind of giving Warren Barton some stick about about the English clubs, and you know, hurrah, hurrah, all the teams making it uh, out of the group stage. But you know, it it was spot on. We thought Manchester City was going to be the English yep. team making it to the final. And we were all very surprised by that. Um, so I think England is on. On the upswing. It's still an absolute destination for players, for managers, clearly for agents as well. I think Real Madrid and Barcelona are always going to be these, these, these power forces. I'll be curious to see if Atletico, what they can do with that new stadium, what that's going to be able to generate. You know, it sounds like Diego Simeone wants to stay there and build this, this legacy. I think they have a chance to, to maybe kind of try to move themselves up into this category. But other than that, I don't see a whole lot of other places starting to, to build something. I think right. Italy, I think beyond Juventus, I think we might s- start seeing one of the Milans make a move and make things interesting. But other than that, it's it's still Barcelona, it's still Real Madrid, and everybody else kind of fighting to to, to keep pace. But who knows what Ronaldo's going to do, right? He right. he drops these little hints. Am I going to stick around? Am I not? Am I happy? Do I need more money? The guy's got enough money, don't you think? Yes. yes. No, no, I'm, I'm 100% Cristiano right? Ronaldo and, <laughs> his, and his
0: money. Uh, I think he's going to be fine when he goes to the ATM. Uh, what... What is the best league? That is always subjective. And I always say the best league is the one that you love. However, when it comes to what is the most popular league, it's not even a question it's that it's that it's England. And I think when we start to do this where we we say, well, based on Champions League, which we all know is for all intents and purposes the measuring stick and the even though it's not yet, it's it's almost at this super league status where uh, especially when you get to the final sixteen and, and the final eight, where it is the usual suspects. We know we know who it is, and when they have success, to equate that with the success and the perception of the actual league. I think what ends up happening is, while we while we look at Real Madrid and Barcelona, and when those teams have success, and we even when other teams, as Mossy mentioned in La Liga, have success, we equate it specifically with those teams as opposed to La Liga as a whole, as opposed to when EPL teams do well, we associate that with a quality and a value from the league as a whole. We all know that, as you mentioned, uh, when it comes to Bundesliga, one-horse race. When it comes to La Liga, with all due respect to Atletico, it's still a two-horse race. All right. When it comes to Serie A, it has been and continues to be one, one one-and-a-half, two. Okay? No, well, I'm, I'm, sorry, not I'm, I'm sorry, not uh, league. Uh, I'm sorry, Serie A. When it comes to Serie A. A couple of teams, and we know that Juventus has dominated it, Napoli's been there. Uh, Roma showed great growth this year. Roma showed great growth and all that kind of stuff. But but, but Masi's case is, is how it relates to the league and the perception of the league, especially globally now, because these are global brands. And I'm not talking about the individual teams as global brands. I'm talking about the leagues as global brands. You still cannot touch the EPL. Now, the EPL is the most popular league in the world. I would say that it is, for a lot of people, the most entertaining, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that, but I would also submit to you that it is the most competitive because of the fact that there are so many teams, notwithstanding what Manchester City did uh, this year, but the fact that you can have a Leicester, the fact that, now, not competitive relative to MLS, where any team any, any, any year can win it, but you still have so many more teams in the EPL that at the beginning of the season, you think this team can win it as opposed to those other leagues. So, yes, Real Madrid is dominating and, and La Liga teams have done very, very well. But I don't think that it translates to the value of La Liga in the way that it translates to the value of EPL.
1: I, I look at a lot of things through, through a marketing
0: or PR type Eye scope of things, you know. There are many people out there that would take you to task for that. I get yelled at that for all the time. I think American soccer fans do that more so than any, but just because. Probably, but but my point being, La Liga. Do we have great respect for it? Of
1: course we do. But La Liga only matters a couple weekends a year. In all honesty. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? When do, when do Real Madrid and Barcelona play each other? Circle that. Great. El Clasico. Here we go. Then it's like, now change the channel and get me back to my regular programming, which is uh, you know the ton of storylines that EPL has so fantastically been able to produce. They have marketed themselves really well. Their PR is all over the place. Everybody knows the storylines, and they've been blessed by great storylines, whether they're legit or they've been somewhat manufactured. But you talk about your Leicester City, you talk about what most... Solid did right. alone this year, that made me want to watch Liverpool infinitely more than I had wanted to watch Liverpool in years past, just to see what Mo is doing. And then you're like, well, more about this Firmino and, and my, you know and all these other storylines that come in that hook you. Manchester City, you know, the talent and with Pep and you know, it's like the only. This is the only league in the world where you also want to see cutaways of the managers, of what's going on with them. You know, in in Spain, I could care less what's going on, uh, unless it's it's Diego Simeone in in the dressed in black. So to me, England and EPL have just built up this fortress of storylines, of hooks, of passion, and right or wrong, I do agree with you that it is the most entertaining league, top to bottom. I could punch on a game early Sunday morning, and I don't care who it is, but I'm like, oh, all right, something could and probably will happen. Where if it's Spain, I don't really care right. unless I'm watching one of the, the
0: big two. Well, in this race for relevancy uh, and global relevancy that these leagues are going through, I, I disagree with David Mosse. No, I agree with him in that the EPL is getting better and better. But I, even though an EPL team didn't win Champions League and a La Liga team did, I still think that what the EPL has done this year is more beneficial to that global brand of the EPL than... Real Madrid winning Champions League three years in a row and four out of the last five years as it, relates to the, as it relates to La Liga. And that is a problem. That's a problem for La Liga. And EPL recognizes that while they might not win Champions League and they might not have that moment where we can say we're at the top, the effect of having more EPL teams that have global relevancy, that are doing well now in Champions League, is much more valuable to them as a global brand of the EPL as
1: opposed to... How many teams from Spain can come to the United States for their preseason tournament and make a mark, right? Two. Two, period. How many teams from England? Exactly. Right? How many teams from France? One. How many teams from Germany? Two, because of Mr. Pulisic. You know what? I would even put this. I'd put Syria could bring more clubs here... Than anybody but the English Premier League that would make an impact in the United
0: States. And I know there are La Liga folks out there that are screaming and yelling right now at their uh, at their radios, and or 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 they're on their runs and they're screaming and yelling (laughs) to the sky. (laughs) Go faster! Why are you not burning? Hit that hill like you mean it. Exactly, and they're screaming. Yes, but you don't watch this, and you don't want this. Well, look, this is there's a reason I'm not watching. This is a battle for hearts and minds around the world, and in that battle, the EPL is winning and continues to win, even though they're not champions of champions. All right, enough with uh, Mossy Makes the Case. Moving on. Ask Alexi. Yes, it's time for Ask Alexi, that segment of the podcast where we answer your questions with the Ask Alexi hashtag. If you're out there and you have a question or a comment or a concern or a criticism, send it to us, either Twitter or Facebook or any of the other social media platforms out there. And who knows, at one point in the future, you may have David Mossy reading your tweet or... You may have someone like Rob Stone reading your question, your tweet, your uh, comment, your, your criticism. All right, Rob, what do the people want to know today? Or what do they have to say today go. in our Ask Alexi segment? At
1: Pogba, P-A-W-G-B-A. Oh, with a W. Okay. Well done. Who do you see having a Hamas-esque World Cup in Russia? Hamas-esque. Right? Hamas Rodriguez. Look, let's be honest. How many people four years ago knew his name was Hamas and not James Rodriguez? Right. Right. Pipe down, everybody. Well, you you know. thought it was James Rodriguez. And this James keeps scoring a lot of goals. So he, he was, I believe he was the young player of the tournament. He was also right. the leading scorer. Nobody had really spoken much about him. And then all of a sudden... Because that shop window was open and he was shining, he became this beautiful, expensive property that everybody wanted in Europe because of his great performance for Colombia at the
0: 2014 World Cup. Is, is it unfair to me to say that Hamez could actually be a Hamas. He James could still again? be it. Yes, <laughs> considering considering what he ha- or what he hasn't done over the last couple of years, and he's come alive over the last six eight months, and, and certainly has done very very well after his move to uh, uh, to Bayern Munich. I'll be really interested to see if he. Pops up again and is this incredible star leading Colombia? He obviously he obviously loves to play for Colombia when it comes to a World Cup. So that's a that's an easy out, right? To say that Hamas could do it again.
1: Yeah, it feels like <laughs> well, because I'm in your corner here too. Because I, there's nobody that's jumping out. No, at me there's not. There's... Where I'm saying, oh my god, this this is this is the guy. But I, I kind of I push it more in towards uh, like countries, and, and for decades, Lex, I, I've been waiting for that African breakthrough. Um, yeah. Right. And, and you think this is yourself, it? I don't know if this is it, but you know, you got these guys who, who are being poached from their home countries and they're being dropped in Ukraine and Russia and playing professionally and they get some results and in, in difficult circumstances and you always wonder, can that translate to a bigger club? Can that translate on the World Cup stage? Um, those are the places that I would be looking
0: for your next Hamas. So, I mean, does, does everybody know about Ericsson? I think they for, should. For Christian Ericsson, I think but they should. certainly people knew who Hamez was, but he was introduced but, to a global they know audience.
1: Who, they know who Christian Ericsson is with Denmark and with Tottenham. I, 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 think, I, think, he's gonna be, I think he's going to be one of the standouts at the World Cup, but I— but, I, I but when you do
0: it at the World Cup, it brings your Q rating and, and the yeah, knowledge but, of you to a point whole is, other level.
1: we know how to say his name. We did not know how to say Hamas Rodriguez's name four years ago.
0: Okay, so you want someone that's difficult to pronounce. All right.
1: No, no. <laughs> I'm like, I,
0: who is this James that is breaking out on the scene, and why do they keep calling him Hamas? All right. Uh, so how about someone like Azmoon for Iran? No? Yes?
1: It's Iran. It's, it's I mean, Iran. They're
0: not going to go through. So you want someone... Yeah, it's got to be somebody who's going to
1: get out of the group, right? It, it, it has to be. I think, I think we're stretching, to be honest with you. I think this World Cup is so dominated by so heavy names, right. big stars, big countries, big storylines, that it's going to take an, a, an absolute epic performance for somebody to try and rise above that and get into this conversation. I mean, some of the biggest storylines that are now emerging are about three guys who are injured. You know Neuer, Neymar, and now Salah. All
0: right, so you—I'll uh, give you a name. Okay. All right.
1: You're in your—you're thick. You're deep in your database, right no, now. No, no,
0: no. And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm just gonna preview something that we're gonna come later. I will mention that I have Morocco actually having a very good World Cup. Yeah, you're the guy. Uh, I am—I <laughs> am the guy. Hakim Ziyech. Well, this is good. You already
1: can't pronounce his name correctly. How so do you pronounce good. it? Well, no, I just heard your 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 your. You were fighting. How are you, through you pronouncing it? it? Well, I, I call them the Atlas Lions. That's where I'm going right now with Morocco. I haven't gotten into
0: his name. All right, the yet. number 10 playing for Morocco. When Morocco are. I'm writing this down are, right now. Are a team that just is a breath of fresh air, and yes. everybody's saying, Whoa, I didn't see him
1: coming. Nobody saw it from Group B, Morocco, you getting see, through Portugal and Spain. You heard it here first. Number, number 10. Okay? Right. Say his name again okay. for me. Hakeem Ziak I'll have it right by the time we get, we'll get on air. We'll okay? get David Mossy on that pronunciation guide. All right. Well, so number. Uh, so would you like another question? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. I like these questions. This okay, is, let's do is, another one. This is a good thing. At Aaron underscore Rentlin, what coach would you have most liked to play under? This is interesting. It is a
0: good one. I think the the first answer would be Pep because I think he has fundamentally changed the way that we think about the game and the way that we play the game. And I would love to have been challenged to do different things and to have been given the ability to risk, um, and the con- given the confidence to risk uh, that I think he I think he gives players in that. I'm going to ask you to do this. I know it's not necessarily something you have done, but I believe that with time you can do it. And I recognize you are going to make mistakes. And you might even make big mistakes. And I'm still going to stick with it because I believe it is the right thing for you and I believe it's the right thing for the team. That that type of approach, I think, would, would be really interesting and it would it would excite me to have something like
1: that. I, I feel like you and I are both looking at this question in the eyes almost of a journalist. Like, I want to be on this guy's team so I can just sit there and bang out notes right. after every meeting and put it into a book. Like, what was it like to be under Pep? What's it like to be under Jose Mourinho? What's it like to be under Diego Simeone? Right? I mean, all these guys. But um, for me, be, being an American at heart, like I'm fascinated what it was for you to play under Bora. I would love to know what it was like to play under Bob Gansler, uh, Bob Bradley, Jurgen, Bruce. You know, there, there's always that soft spot for me that would... Uh, you know, I'd love to have played under Dominic Kinnear, by the way, who we both love passionately. But I would just love to know, you know, what their background and their thinking was and their strategy with where American soccer was at that stage and what needed to be accomplished. Uh, but uh, with all those guys too, you know, they have their guys mm-hmm. right, and it it would be important to be one of their guys. Otherwise, yeah. I think it would be an
0: absolute miserable experience for a lot of those teams. Yeah, I think so. So, so there's there's one, and it's the easy one. Uh, someone that maybe you wouldn't expect. I think it would have been fascinating to play for Argentina under Diego Maradona. I'm not saying in a, in a good way, I just, the experience... Just in the train wreck way? Just, yeah. I mean, we know it was a train wreck, but I, I would just have loved to have been in there to see <laughs> how, how much of a wreck it was and what type of wreck uh, it was internally. We all know externally it was one thing. Uh, but to have able, been able to go through that, I, I... I enjoy the 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 disaster type of situation. But again, yeah, but you don't want to be in the locker room for. Yeah, it. I do. I kind of do. I, wanna, wanna see I want to You want to see full on train
1: Well, you were there.
0: You yeah. you experienced Train Wreck 98? yeah, I, I have. So I, I guess maybe I By the way, that's I, the title of my next
1: movie, Train Wreck 98. <laughs> I'm going to trademark that. All right. right so away. that's
0: uh, that's uh, that's someone uh, the that, that, All right. Well, so this different. this
1: bleeds into uh, okay. the next question, which is a good one because I almost barked out this name as Ooh. well. at uh, Michael SK Neal, will Zidane ever coach France? And should he eventually, look, you know, we spent so much time, Lex, talking about, you know, the, the peps of the world and, and the Mourinho's because they just garner so much attention. And even, you know, what Jurgen Klopp has done because, you know, we're, we're intrigued by their mannerisms on the field and how they handle things. But Zidane, you know, in his first head coaching gig that really mattered, all he's done is win three consecutive Champions League finals. Yes, he's been blessed uh, you know, with an absolute icon on his team and, and, and a squad that's loaded with talent and deep um, pocketbooks. But that doesn't necessarily guarantee you success on the field, right. much less a Champions League title. And for Zidane to walk in and handle that, it's amazing. And it's gotten to the point where what more can he do for this club? He's, he's, he's already a legend, yeah. if, if you ask me. And then does that translate to the national team? and it's two totally different yep. coaching regimens you know yep. not every manager is built for the national team and the downtime and watching the tape
0: and scouting they need that day to day this is this is i was talking to our uh, our friend and colleague Warren Barton the other day about you know what what is a good coach and what makes a good coach and how and for me i put more value on coaches that have been multiple places yes they I've I, heard I would this, like I've them heard to heard have had success yeah. in multiple places but even the success I think they're still better for having been in multiple places. And he said, well, is, is Sir Alex a good coach? Of course he's a good coach. He's one of the greats. But if I am putting Pep Guardiola up against Sir Alex, I give Pep Guardiola much more value because he has been to multiple places. Has he had the type of success and the longevity that Sir Alex has had? Absolutely not. And so when we come back to Zidane, all of his success has been... Uh, for this Real it's Madrid team. Been it's his he's, it's he's been a bubble. Real Madrid... If yeah. he walked away right now, he will go down as one and arguably the best Real Madrid coach ever for what he has done. That is... You, you can't even argue that. But when it comes to are you a great coach in this debate, I just put a lot of stock in coaches that have been multiple places. Because, and that's why you like Pep. And that's why I love Pep. Yeah. Because you have to be able to adjust. And so many times in coaching, it's... Especially nowadays, it's just... How much money do I have to spend? So, how about this? Uh, I
1: got two points yeah. here.
0: Zidane, should he walk away?
1: I Particularly
0: think, if Ronaldo leaves. Yes, I think. Look, he's made plenty of money. It's not even a money question. I think what Pep did, taking that sabbatical, made him a better coach ultimately. And so he,
1: sabbaticals are okay in soccer. I just want to be clear. Are very, on very that. good in, in <clears throat> soccer Landon, for the for the Go human
0: on. beings that we are dealing with. So I I think it must be a tremendous amount of pressure and it must be exhausting physically and mentally to be the coaches of these teams. And I think maybe even more so for Barcelona uh, because, because of the way that you play is, is as important as whether you win, as opposed to Real Madrid. It's as we know, even in this run, it's not always pretty. As a matter of fact, at times it's downright ugly, and yet they still find a way to win. So how they play is much less important than yeah. if they if they win when it comes to Real I, I, you Madrid. You know, I'd, I'd also
1: be fascinated, if Ronaldo does leave Real Madrid, is there a part of Zidane saying, all right, I want to stick around, and I want to win one without him yeah. to prove my worth even more to you guys, if he needs to prove anything. And then, you know, you and I are Americans, and oh, by the way, we still don't have a national team head coach, and I'm okay with it, In fact, I don't want one until late July at the earliest, right? It would be nice to have a general manager. Sounds like we're we're working on that. But Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho are two names that have been on the periphery of this conversation for years because of their love of this country. Mm -hmm. And they've both made it very clear. And I've both heard them say, whether to me or in in a report or an article, where they have dropped some pretty clear hints that... Coaching here in this country at some point intrigues them. And my guess is it's not on the Major League Soccer level. And I could be wrong. You know, Tata might have changed the dynamic for everybody on that. But to have a Pep Guardiola and his pedigree and everything he's done with that type of caliber of player and pocketbooks, yeah. and then to bring him into our country and to say you run the U.S.
0: men's national team is a different and
1: very, it's well, hold a very curious dynamic. Hold on, am I breaking well, news here? No.
0: While I extolled the virtues of coaches who are able to go to different uh, situations, and in particular, Pep, look at where he's gone. Okay, I just said he that. has I had know. the opportunity to have all the money in the world I at teams that. Traditionally are going to win, what, 70 75% of their games just by stepping on the field because they've amassed the most quality. He has been paid ridiculous amounts of money, and he has had all the talent in the world to work with. I would respect the fact that he might want to go and do something like this. I just think that not just his frustration, but we would have to deal with that frustration and how long that frustration would last when he is in a situation unlike anything he has ever experienced before— we might bear the brunt of yeah. that frustration, and, we and it th- might be a waste of time and resources. We went through a little bit of that with Jürgen as
1: well because yep. he had great resources with, with the German national team, with Bayern Munich as well. Uh, so what you're telling me, Alexi Laws, I just want to be clear here, is that the U.S. national soccer program should be looking at the Stoke cities <laughs> of the world for their next manager, the Crystal Palaces.
0: We want struggles. We want blue collar. I, I No, no, I, I don't want someone that's not romantic. I don't want someone that is that's that's not going to push us to be better than we are. But you have to have an understanding and an appreciation for where we've been, where we are, and then you have to decide where we're going and have and it has to be realistic as to what we want to do. All right. Thank you to all of uh, you that have sent in questions, comments, uh, concerns. Uh, use that Ask Alexi hashtag, and who knows, in the future, David Mossy, as I said, or a special guest like a Rob Stone will possibly read your questions. Moving on. World Cup update. Yes, it is time for our World Cup date segment. It's clever. <laughs> Clever. Did you uh, write
1: did you write that or was that bossy?
0: No, you know what we did? We called it our world update World Cup Update for a couple of weeks and people were screaming at me saying, How are you not grabbing that low-hanging fruit of right. having it called the World Cup date? So that's what we're calling it the World Cup date. Uh we are, what, two and a half weeks away from kickoff of the 2018 uh, men's world cup in Russia. We are leaving in a matter of days. Some to, of us know our flights, some, some don't. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Don't worry, we're going to get you there, Rob Stone. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Mossy is not here today, but what we are doing today is uh, letting you know our brackets. We filled out brackets, as I've said in a previous podcast. I just do a different one every single time. I basically cover my bases, but I have filled out one that I'm going to tell you today, as has Rob Stone, as has David Mossy. David Mossy wanted you to know that he has Spain as the best team uh, he has them going through beating Argentina, Germany, Brazil in their last three matches. He has been high on Spain for a long time. We'll talk more about Spain here in a second. And he's Brazilian, by the and way. And he that's, is Brazilian. So, and, and actually he's very, very bullish about this Brazilian team. Yeah. Much more so than in previous ones. Uh, but he does have Spain ultimately winning this World Cup. He's also been, as, as those who have listed before, very, very high on Uruguay and he loves this blend of young players with the experience that Uruguay has. He's picked Kylian Mbappe from France to have a Breakout tournament. Not that he's unknown, but just to really step up in this moment, playing for a, uh, a hell of a France team. Uh, he thinks that Neymar is going to have a uh, great tournament and finish as a top scorer, nice and rested, having played only about thirty games this season. So that's what David Mossy has predicted for this summer. There's a lot of Mossy for a show where he's not. Uh, here. Listen, you know what? we, we got to give him love. All right, I know he's listening to this, uh, oh, hey, David. You're how damn are straight, you? he's listening. How to. How are you, me? buddy? Okay, so. Rob Stone, yes. give us give us Hello. a real quick rundown uh, and just some of the highlights of your bracket, if you will. Oh, we just want highlights right now. Yeah, okay.
1: I'm trying to look for an upset. Uh, group A, I got Uruguay. I got Egypt. Group B, I have Spain over Portugal. Okay. Group C, I have France, Denmark. Mm-hmm. Like not a ton of surprises. Uh, group D. Argentina, Croatia, okay. Group E, Brazil, Serbia. I battled with Switzerland. By the way, side note on that, I think CONCACAF is going to have a nightmare of a World Cup. Okay. I don't see any of the CONCACAF teams getting through. I'm not alone in that one. I feel bad doing it. Group F, you'll get you'll get a little noise from me. I have Germany going through. I do not have Mexico going through. Sorry, Juan Carlos, uh, but I do have Sweden going through. Okay, Group G, Belgium, which you'll soon learn is kind of becoming my team, uh, with England as runner-up. And then Group H, a slight upset, slight, Colombia winning at Poland in seconds.
0: Okay, so let me give you my groups then. Uh, I differ on a couple of them. I have Uruguay and Russia coming out of Group A. I have, which means that the most, which, Sala- which means Possibly better- Mosala-led oh. Egypt, finishing third and not going through. Russia better win opening day, my friend. Exactly. Otherwise, train wreck. Don't you worry, Russia. Train wreck. Don't you worry. Uh, group B is going to be the biggest bone of contention that people are going to have with me. I actually, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, have Morocco going in over Portugal. Portugal finishing third, Spain winning the group, Morocco uh, second. So, By that's, the way,
1: can I say Group B is sneaky tough? It is sneaky Cause, tough. Because you get caught up on Portugal-Spain, but you forget Morocco is essentially the best team in Africa. Iran has been the best team in Asia for years now. Uh, everybody's talking about that Spain-Portugal matchup, but... The, the group B is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, our, our bosses are cringing right now because basically in the first two groups I have Mosala out and Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo out of the World Cup. Team player, Alexi Wallace. Uh, France and Denmark going through in Group C, which I think you also had. Yes, Argentina and Croatia yep. in Group D. I have Brazil, and you mentioned going back and forth between Serbia and Switzerland. I actually have Switzerland over Serbia, but that's going to be fun to see those two battle it out for second. I have Germany. I do have Juan Carlos Osorio's Mexico coming through second just over Sweden. I have and this is where Group G— By the way, Mexico, Sweden close out Group F play against one another. Don't you worry. It's going to be just fine. I actually have—I know you're, you're really, really high on Belgium. I have England winning Group yeah. G and Belgium coming out second. Yeah. So same two teams, but in a different order there. And then I also have Colombia finishing first in Group H uh, over Poland. All right. Uh, moving on to the round of 16, what do you got? I got Portugal and France going through the quarters. Okay. Brazil over my
1: Sweden. There's Belgium taking care of Poland. Spain, Argentina over Denmark, Mm -hmm. Germany, Colombia, quarterfinals. Okay, so uh, upsets. I mean, I guess Colombia sneaking in the quarters for the second straight year. So you don't have England in the quarters. Then. I do not. I'm not buying England. I don't okay. hate England, right. By any stretch. I actually kind of like <laughs> the position that England in have this to clarify year. Clarify that, don't you? Right. I don't want to get more people angry at me. I actually like the way England is is progressing into this tournament with with Harry Kane a little bit more rested than he right. was a couple years ago with the Euros. With I feel like there's less pressure on him. It's a younger team that. That doesn't seem to have the expectations by the country and by the press, maybe more importantly upon them, where I think they're actually going to be able to kind of enjoy and breathe while they're in Russia. There's going to be less English fans there as of now. There hasn't been a great ticket turnout by the English supporters. Of course, that may change between now and then. And you know the fear factor that's going on with the English supporters and 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 the Russian supporters as well. I
0: like them, ju- but just barely getting through the group stage. All right, a couple of things. I like you have France going through to the quarters. I have Morocco beating Uruguay to go through. I'm, all really, right. on, I'm on that Morocco. Boy, I'm really going all in. I'm going all in on Morocco. Are you, betting, are you betting
1: lawless money on uh, Morocco this is, this is, or somebody else's hey, if money? If we're going
0: to win some money, then we got to do right. some things that people Carry aren't on. doing. Okay? Let's see. I actually have Mexico beating Brazil in the round of 16. Not only getting to that fifth game, but getting to, fifth game, to that fifth game by going through Brazil. I mean, if we're going to do it, do it. All, all right? right, Juan Carlos? Right. I don't have England going through uh, like you. I have Spain going through, Denmark going through, Germany going through, and Belgium going through. So... And then we get to the quarterfinals. That's where my Morocco team bows out. But with, with incredible glory, losing to France. And I have Mexico continuing on into my the Lord. semifinals. Because they beat Poland in the, uh, in the quarters. So I ultimately have Spain uh, going through against Denmark. Germany going. So my... my so semifinals you're training, you're trading in France, vodka for tequila. Yes, my my semifinals have France playing against Mexico and Spain playing against Germany. What do you All got? Right, so semis? I have
1: Spain, I have Spain and Germany as well. Okay, but I have France, Belgium in the other you semifinals. Have France, Belgium,
0: and then you got Belgium beating.
1: And France, I tell you or? what, every time I, I somebody shoves a bracket in my face, which feels like every six hours these <laughs> days, I don't know how many of these brackets I filled out for Fox Sports. I'm like, where's this coming from? Here's another one. But I I I always have Belgium in the semis, and then now I've got them. Now I got them in the final. So I got Belgium in the final, and every third bracket I fill out, I have Belgium winning it all. And it's tough to have them winning it over Germany, who I just really, really like. And I think they're on the verge of of, um – you know, creating this dynasty, if yep. you will, with back-to-back titles. Uh, but yeah, I got Belgium, Fran- or Belgium, Germany in the final. And if you want to make a little money, you can make some money on Belgium winning it all. All right, Golden Generation. There we you go. You know, I love my Golden Generations. I have and waffles. I
0: have France, Spain in the finals, and I have uh, Spain winning it all.
1: France so. imploding on the team bus,
0: yes, heading to the
1: final. This, this definitely means that, that France is
0: going out in Pogba group stage. with a haircut. Morocco's not going to get yep. a single point, let alone score a goal. Mexico's not going through. <laughs> Just do the opposite of what I say, and you'll win some money. But, but as we said, next week I'm going to do a different uh, bracket. and It's all going to be all going to be different. But we're, we're getting down to it. I I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm so excited for this uh, for this World Cup. I can't wait, as we said, not just for the soccer on the field, but the experience off the field. We're going to bring it to you each and every day. Um, I, I, I can't remind you enough. We are going to continue with the State of the Union podcast, albeit in a, an abbreviated abbreviated form. Uh, you're going to get a healthy diet from what, the time you wake up to the time you go to bed on all the different Fox platforms out there, when it comes to this uh, to this World Cup, and it's going to be really fun to see how the United States reacts to this World Cup. I think it's going to be positive. I think it's going to be fun. We all recognize it's a bummer. It sucks that the U.S. isn't in in the World Cup, but I think people are they're moving th- on. They're Lex. moving on. They're that. moving on. They will. They'll have that moment where it's like, oh, brutal, and I, then they'll get over I, it I again. Th- I think they're kind of over it.
1: I, I walked through Atlanta Airport yesterday, and there was this huge World Cup. Display set up in one of the gift shops and it just I stopped I took picture by the way Atlanta airport is all in on Brazil by the way they are heavy heavy on selling Brazil merchandise Uh, and the panini cards and the and the little magazines that we love so much but it's coming and and somehow for some reason people have have lowered that bar on this World Cup and it's primarily because the US hasn't qualified. Everything's going to be over-delivered. This World Cup is going to be one of those breakthrough soccer moments in our country.
0: All right, so uh, those are our predictions. We will have those up for people to see in their glory and in totality. So you can scream and yell at myself and at Rob Stone and of course uh, David Mossy for uh, how moronic we are to have picked this uh, this <laughs> or that. And you should do them yourself. It's uh, it's fun and um, and 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 going forward. As I said, we'll do a bunch of different we'll do a bunch of different ones and cover uh, cover all of our bases. But to sum it up, David Masi has Spain winning, I have Spain winning, and you have Belgium winning. Let's go Belgium, baby. All right, man. All all Mannequin aboard on piece. That, All aboard on that Belgium train. Roberto Martinez taking him to the promised land. All right, we're coming to the end. Moving on. The back three. All right. Time for the back three, Rob Stone. Uh, a couple of stories out there, games, moments, uh, where we're wrapping it up here. Uh, what are we talking about today in our back three?
1: Uh, Champions League fallout, number oh. one, right? Oh. So many things to hit about. Liverpool, they're going to change their goalkeeper? Can we confirm that 100%? <laughs> I think we're confirming that, All yeah. Right, so we can move on there. Uh, then there's talk about the big stars for Real Madrid. Who stays, who goes? Gareth Bale, does he stay with Real Madrid next season?
0: I think he goes. Yeah, so do I. I think the way uh, that he was talking and the way that Zinedine Zidane was talking, and just the way it, this whole season has gone, and he even said, "I got to play, I got to be playing consistently." Yeah. And, and by the way,
1: to bow out, having scored two yeah. goals in the championship final, thank you very much. Thank you very much. But the bigger one is Ronaldo and the little odd hints that he dropped. My take is that it's a play for a bigger contract. You think? I do. Really? I do because I love Ronaldo so very much, right. but his value is is to me on the decline right now. And if, we're, if Real Madrid's going to get any value for him, I think now is the time to get rid of him.
0: So if you were Real Madrid, you'd get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo. And you know who I'd bring in? Who? Neymar. Wow. That would be something, though. All right. Well, It's well, international
1: yeah. soccer. It makes 1,000% sense. Oh, man. How about that?
0: Um, uh, we, 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 we talked earlier. Do you think Zinedine Zidane will be the coach of Real Madrid next year? I do. Yeah.
1: I do. It's a soft I do, but I, I do. But I think, I think the time is... Is coming up where where he makes the call to step aside. All right.
0: Uh, What else? Uh, There's something about Paulo Guerrero out there, right? What's going on? In Group C, our
1: captain, Paulo Guerrero, it's hard to quickly break it down. In essence, he was banned for doping. He says that uh, an extract, essentially, Coca-cocaine was put into a beverage of his. A and tea, he tested, right? a Some a sort tea, of tea, yeah. And he tested positive for it after a World Cup qualifier. He is adamant. This is not me. I didn't do this. Somebody sipped something into my drink. He is going everywhere he can, including to FIFA. He met with Gianni yep. Infantino, pleading his case. He said, there's nothing I can do. The captains of Group C have all come out and said, hey, we back him. We want him in the tournament. He's now down to his last legal gasp. Uh, with a Swiss court that that could pause it or overturn it. Uh, regardless, it has been the talking point for a Peru team that I think with Guerrero, Lex, would have been one of those surprise teams sure. to get out of the group and maybe make
0: some noise. He he is not the entire team, but let's be honest. Without him, they are much less of a team. It doesn't mean that they can't do some damage and, and they can't rise to the occasion, but come on, you need him. The The groundswell of support is not necessarily surprising. I think all players look and say the opportunity to play in a World Cup for him, for this country, which is so important to any player, taking that away, you better be damn sure. And that's where the problem is. It's obvious that there are people out there that are damn sure that this needs to stand. These agencies, they don't, at times they have to stand on principle, but they don't want to take that away from any player. It's not a good look for them. It's not a good look for sport. So, if he has the ability to prove to people that this is why this happened and the burden burden of proof unfortunately is on him because the test happens it shows up and now you got to explain is there a good reason why this happened and you got to be you got to be really clear and for them to hold it not just hold it up but then to add uh, months to it we're not in those in those meetings and so i love the fact that there are people that have come out and supported him but I think it's I think it's a long shot at this point, uh, at best, at a best. long shot. At, and, it,
1: and it's sad because it's been so long since that country uh, has made it to the World Cup. And you're right; but, but so but much he, of the hopes are around him. But look, you have cocaine in your system. Right? You should not be allowed to do a lot of things.
0: I remember operate heavy machinery, play in a World Cup, etc. I remember avoiding poppy seed bagels, right? Just to just so there was no problem. And you you thought about that. Everything that you put in your body, you thought about and. Uh, I just I, I don't see how this is going to change. I'm raising my hand. Yes, I sir. I don't know if I can be recognized. Yes, for that. sir. To me,
1: it brings up another point. I, you know, I think all the players in the World Cup know what Guerrero was going for. You know, he used to play with Bayern Munich, now plays in Brazil for Flamengo. And along that, on a similar line, is this fear of injury at this time mm-hmm. of the season. And we saw two injuries in the Champions League final, which could have major ramifications at the World Cup with Carvajal and with Mo Salah as well. And now we've got all these friendlies and we've got all these camps. And I'm always curious how the players play through these things, you know, where their mind is. Because you know, they can tell you, I'm playing 100%, I'm doing everything, but you know, that they're avoiding certain tackles. You know that they're avoiding certain moments because they just say, I, got, I just got to get there. It's human nature. Right?
0: And, and they will tell you that you're much more liable to get hurt if you are pulling your punches and you're not playing 100%, but it's just human nature to pull out of tackles and to recognize, I just got to get to that moment. And then, then, then let, let whatever happens Absolutely. happens. Yeah, but, then, then you roll it
1: all out. Yeah, I, You don't care what happens. But.
0: I, I can't even believe it. Let's finish it up here. What else we Messi,
1: got? Messi, on the World Cup, here's yep. a quote. Uh, that I procured today. I would swap a title with Barcelona for one with the national team. While I want to win things again with my club, I want to win something with the national team. Now, that's easy to say when you've won a lot of things for Barcelona. And next on your to-do list is getting to a World Cup, which you are now becoming... uh, I tell you what, Argentina is on the verge of being like the Buffalo Bills of international soccer right now. Runner-up, runner-up, you know, Copa America, Copa America, World Cup. They got to be careful. I, I think they got a chance... I only have six nations with a realistic chance of winning the World Cup, and Argentina sneaks in to my six because of Messi. And because of that pressure, I think actually this pressure might be a good thing for him now after all the failures that he's gone through.
0: I think if there are Barcelona fans out there, and there are plenty of them out there, including in this room, that look at what Messi has meant to this club, they don't look at this quote as a problem. I think they look at it as say, you know what? For all the, at times, criticism that he gets for what he hasn't done with with Argentina, I think, and I don't want to speak for Barcelona fans, but I think that they would say we would love for him to have that moment because in that moment... The way we see him and the way we view him, the rest of the world will. Because until he does that, he's going to always be under the shadow of Diego Maradona because Diego Maradona won the World Cup. Is it fair? Is it right? It doesn't really matter. That's life. That's the way that it goes. When you are born diminutive, when you're born an attacking player who scores goals, when you're born left-footed, and when you are born a number 10 who wears the Argentina shirt. That's just the way that it's going to go. So I think, I think they... Barcelona fans would, if they could, give back a La Liga championship for him to have that moment for what it means to him and how and what it means to their player.
1: that moment. That, that's why I keep going to that moment. Yep. I want to see that moment of Messi, you know essentially emotionally undressed, with the pressures off of him with with the ghosts of Diego gone somewhere else and he can just sit there, and he can, he can see everything. He can see everything falling down on the field. He can see the trophy being handed to him. He can have that moment where it's over. I've done it. Get off my case. I am one of the world's best. I know best. you want
0: to see it. Are you going to see it? No. No. Why? No,
1: because Belgium's going to be lifting That's the trophy. That's true, because Belgium's. And we're all going to be eating waffles for the rest of the summer. Oh,
0: my goodness. All right. Well, we have come to the end of our show. I want to thank Rob Stone for stopping by and sitting in admirably.
1: Stopping uh, by, you you were outside my well, driveway five listen, minutes
0: early to make sure I made it we're here. We're going to, you know, suspend belief here. Okay, <laughs> uh, thank you for coming by, Rob. Love uh, it's you, been buddy. A, it's been as always a pleasure. You're welcome back whenever. I'm going to speak for Mossy. I know he wouldn't say that. Of course not. Actually, we'll look forward to Mossy coming back next week. As always, uh, at the end of our podcast, my one big thing. We are recording this today on Memorial Day. Uh, thank you all for coming in and working on this day uh, where. We celebrate and we honor the commitment and the ultimate sacrifice that so many men and women over the years have made for this country, in my estimation, the greatest country in the world. Not without problems, not without faults, not without real things that we need to deal with, but ultimately the freedoms that we enjoy each and every day, including uh, today and including tomorrow, uh, were provided for us through the incredible work and ultimately, as I said, the ultimate price uh, for many men and women over the years, and we celebrate what their their sacrifice, and we celebrate what they have given us and what they have given generations. Uh, We are a proud country. We are a proud soccer-playing country. We are incredibly proud of our soccer culture here, but we also recognize that we are members of the world, uh, and as such, we take great pride in who we are as a nation. And once again, thank you to all the men and women that have served, that serve now, and for those that made the ultimate sacrifice to make us the greatest country in the world.